From legendary locals we all know to people you should get to know. Follow Ipswich Today on your favourite app and never miss an episode. Or go to ipswichtoday.com.au Coming up, as COVID-19 restrictions slowly ease, finally some good news from the Ipswich Art Gallery. And a casual wide-ranging chat with Jennifer Howard MP, who reveals talks are back front and centre on the future of the derelict Ipswich Transit Centre and why nothing has happened to date. It's Friday, June 12, 2020, and I'm Alan Roebuck. Welcome to Ipswich Today, which acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land on which it is produced and pays respects to Elders past, present and emerging. This podcast is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australians since 1999. This pandemic has changed our daily lives and routines so much and they will obviously continue for months if not years. With restrictions on movements and gatherings allowing for limited numbers of people in public places like restaurants, pubs and clubs, there's good news this week from Ipswich Art Gallery, which reopens from Friday, June 12. Things we took for granted, like turning up without a booking, is now in the past. To comply with Queensland Government guidelines, which limit attendance to 20 visitors at a time, if you're planning on going to the gallery, you need to pre-book a 90-minute session. This must happen even though entry is still free. Check out the Ipswich Art Gallery website for links on how to book and more detailed information. Please avoid taking in large bags. Always follow the instructions from staff. And please do not visit the gallery if you're feeling unwell. The gallery will be undertaking additional and regular cleaning, including high traffic areas and high touch items. You'll find sanitizer stations throughout the gallery. If you still have any questions, please ring 3810-7222. Ipswich Art Gallery reopens from Friday, June 12. Jennifer Howard has lived in Ipswich for more than 30 years. Before being elected the member for Ipswich in 2015, Jennifer was an electorate officer, vet nurse and small business owner. In future episodes of Ipswich Today, I hope to catch up with all members of Parliament serving the area and to chat about what's happening in their electorates. The intention is to get a real feel for what's going on, rather than chase one specific topic. I'll keep the option open for future interviews to examine specific issues as they come up. First cab off the rank for a chat is Jennifer Howard who I caught up with on the phone earlier this week. I began by asking, what is a typical day in the life of the MP for Ipswich? <laughs> uh, well, um, I think the, the the key thing with being a, a state member is that there really is no typical day. It's uh, You really have to be prepared for anything. Um, but uh, my day does always start with um, exercising. I have a, a dog that needs exercising and I believe I do as well. <laughs> so that's how my day always starts quite about 5.30 a.m. Um, and then it's sort of you know, reading through the news clippings, um, you know, getting my head across what's happening everywhere, uh, going through my briefs for the day, the things that I have to do. I'm also the assistant minister to the Premier, so there's uh, roles involved, uh, particularly around veterans affairs that I have to carry out for her and I get briefed from her office on, on the meetings that I may or may not be having you know, on her behalf that day. So, and then, you know, my office, but to be honest with you, the last couple of months, it really has not been business as usual. 
except for the walking the dog and reading through the news clips. Um, I mm. my diary completely emptied as a result of COVID because you know a lot of what I do is going to meetings, um, uh, opening events, uh, speaking at schools, uh, speaking at you know at community groups and things like that. But as you know, all of those uh, all of those things have come to a grinding halt. Um, hopefully, not for too much longer, but. It really has been a, a very surreal couple of months. Um, so I've been spending my time uh, coming into the office dealing with, uh, particularly in the outset, myriad concerns from constituents about what's next, what are they got to do, you know, what does this mean for them. So my, me and my two staff members were you know, really uh, spending all day dealing with that. Once that settled down a little, it was a matter of um, phoning people. I. I made a, um, a point of phoning everybody in my electorate over 60 so I could talk to them in particular. At the outset, as you'll recall, there was you know, quite a lot of fear about yes. how this virus would affect mm. our community, particularly older people. So I've uh, got about 6,000 uh, people in that um, cohort in my electorate. So we've managed to speak to nearly all of them uh, over the last couple of weeks. And you know, a few things have sort of been happening in the last, you know, gra- gradually things are coming back. Um, I've been visiting a few of my schools, talking to principals. Things are still happening. Well, talking of happening, you got out on the road last week and you had a mobile mm-hmm. office. What was the turnout like and what were the, the issues that were being raised? We had, uh, we probably had about 50 people, I'd say, come and talk to us in the two hours that we were there, which is really quite good. It's a lovely part of the world around Basin Pocket and East Ipswich, but it's part of the world where, you know, people have always had to fight for their fair share around that part of town. And so they, they did have issues. People were concerned because, as you be aware, in that area, the uh, proposed second river crossing will impact that area. We've been calling it the Norman Street Bridge because um, if it goes ahead to the original plan that council put forward, several years ago now, um, it will require the expanding of the Jacaranda Street and going straight through to Norman Street and coming out at Lawrence Street at at North Ipswich. So there is impact there and people were interested to know what was going to be happening there. Um, People were concerned about some of the bus shelters in the area. A lot of people wanted to talk about the virus. A lot of people had different views about, you know, should the borders be closed, should they be open? Uh, are we being too cautious? Um, some people, the vast majority of people feel like the borders should stay closed and that we aren't being too cautious. Um, but there were a couple of people who sort of just wanted things to get back to normal. And I think it was great for them to have an opportunity to talk face-to-face to their local state MP and share their views. And all of that goes back to the Premier and to our caucus. East Ipswich train station, the new one, that's mm-hmm. obviously in mm-hmm. that area. What's the yeah. latest on that? Well, that's all happening. Um, we've gotten, uh, we have uh, given uh, a tender to somebody to start working on it. It's, uh, I believe that around about October, maybe September this year, I'm hoping it can be as soon as possible, we'll start seeing actual, like, proper work happening there. We, there's been a lot of preliminary work, but um, there's been, as you know, there was a few issues when we first made the announcement. Uh, it turned out that we couldn't put in the actual overpass and the disability access where the current is 
station is located, we needed to move the actual station 100 metres towards Bouval. Uh, so that required a bit of extra work, but it's a very exciting project. And yes, overwhelmingly, people are just very delighted about it. Let's move on to some of the big issues that are going to be big for some time, I think, Jen. And mm. the one around landfills, dumps in Ipswich. Mm. Where, where are we at with the uh, the temporary planning instruments? Well, uh, landfill is, uh, it's always been a contentious issue out here. I've been out to the site out there at Swan Bank and seen the landfill um, that is out there. And can I say, we went out there on what was possibly the windiest day in the last decade and it was as clean as a whistle. Like they, they work incredibly hard to keep it uh, a really, really acceptable uh, site <laughs> to the public. Um, having said that, we all know that landfill is really no longer best practice. It hasn't been for quite a long time. We see you know, other countries, uh, like in Europe in particular, managing their waste in such a way that it's not just being buried, it's being reused and recovered um, uh, so that it, it becomes a resource rather than just a waste. And I'm very interested in, in sort of in that part of waste. I, you know, My view is that we do have a waste in, we've got a very proud mining history here in Ipswich, which left us with a lot of voids. And, you know, when you think about Timothy Maloney Park in Ipswich, that used to be landfill. And now it's a beautiful green space that people have been using, you know, and probably many people don't even realise that it used to be landfill. But that we've got these mining voids and they did need to be, um, they, were, they were there for the taking for waste companies to use. And the biggest problem I have in my electorate is complaints from people about the odours emanating from Swan Bank. And those odours uh, have been um, addressed very well by the odour abatement task force that our government established. Um, and we are going to keep it there. It, initially, we established it for 12 months, but there's, it's doing such an excellent job of, of getting um, getting to the root of, of where the nuisance issues are coming from. There's been quite a few fines have been issued. And, um, you know, we have some liquid waste uh, composting industries out at Swan Bank and, you know, it seems, judging by where the fines have gone, that uh, they are, you know, the cause of most of the odours that people are living with. So, you know, we need to work with them uh, to help them, you know, innovate and make their practice uh, acceptable to modern-day society. You know, we, when they first established out there, there were no houses around. Uh, but as you know... Houses are popping up everywhere in the Ripley area, in Flinders View, and um, you know, and on the other side around Collingwood Park. So, you know, it, it, it's just, it's become a social issue, and we do need to act. I mentioned before the transit centre in the in the CBD. It mm. has been boarded up for longer than we'd all like to remember. Is there a glimmer of hope that the state government is going to do <laughs> something with that site? Yes, please don't give up. I haven't given up. Um, I've been, I think since I got elected in 2015, it's the most common <laughs> letter that I've written is about the transit centre. But because of all of the um, upheaval with our council, there was, a, a, you know, the CBD redevelopment, um, there's always been a view that uh, council may want to utilise that site as part of their redevelopment. I actually met with the mayor this week and um we had a discussion about the transit centre and she told me categorically that she has no plans for it and that um, we can do with it as we will. So, 
that has led me to uh, request a meeting with our minister next week uh, to discuss the future of it. Um, I think it might already be on the record. I said that I'd love to see it demolished and have green space uh, for all of those office workers that will be coming into our CBD once it's complete. Would you rate the fixing or cleaning up or demolishing of the transit centre as one of your top yep. tasks? Yes. For the rest Absolutely. of this year. It has been since I got elected. It's something has to happen with that building. And and I have my, you know, views about what I'd like to see happen there. But I did want them to be compatible with the council's redevelopment plans. But I've now had it straight. For eighteen months, as you know, Alan, we had an interim administrator and he didn't he wasn't in the business of making decisions like that. Um, he had a hands full, just sort of getting us back on track and, and getting the framework put in place for the future. Um, so now that the mayor's been in the job for eight weeks, um, I, I am convinced that, that she's very happy for me to do with that building um, what, what we will. So well, that is good to hear. I'm sure, I'm sure many residents will be pleased to hear that. Let's, mm-hmm. t- let's talk about some of the uh, more pleasant aspects of being a, uh, a member. And one of your Pleasure. passions <laughs> that uh, you've stated previously is arts and education. Um, yeah. So what's happening on the arts and education front at the moment in the electorate? Yeah, well, one of the things um, I am really, really quite proud of from when I got elected, there's been over $22 million spent on local schools uh, since 2015. And largely that was um, at, our, at our special schools. They were really bereft of any sort of TLC and had been for years. And it was actually... You know, quite upsetting to go and see the state of those schools when I first got elected. So we were able to get um, quite a serious investments into those schools. We've got great principals. I've been staying in constant contact with them throughout all of this. And, you know, they're very sanguine. They've been getting on with the job, managing, uh, you know, all of the intricacies and the delicacies of, you know, having some kids at school and but most not and, you know, managing family's expectations and the education um, outcomes. Look, I think that we are really fortunate in this area with our schools. We've got a great um, sense of community and, you know, some really, you know, quite a a few achievements to be proud of in in our education space. And in terms of the arts, well, you know, they, they, I think of all groups, they really, the ones that have have caught um, probably some of the toughest hurdles uh, throughout COVID. You know, there's been no exhibitions, as you would know. The art gallery, I think, has only just opened this town. Uh, opens this again uh, this weekend. This weekend, that's mm. right. And, um, you know, I've been trying to support them ha- however I can, uh, and I know that um, our government has issued some uh, a grant opportunities for artists to apply to, um, up to $5,000, which I welcomed. Uh, but I think, you know, part of... The human condition is is our our need for arts, and I I'm not I'm not an artist myself, but I I just believe that the arts is really what makes us human. If that makes sense, we need that. Like you know, as you would know, everything that we've been going through the last few months, we've been either you know curled up reading books, um, you know, watching movies on Netflix. It's, it's everything that's been created by artists is something that we turn to. Um, all throughout our life, regardless of, of our circumstances, so you know it, they play a, they play a pivotal role. And the art sector in Queensland employs more people than any other industry, so you know it's very important uh, economically as well as socially. 
Another very important project in the Western Corridor and in Ipswich in particular, generating jobs, is the Rhine Metal project. You had an inspection there this week. Oh, it's, it's amazing, Alan. I was actually only there in March, just at the beginning of the um, COVID uh, uh, lockdowns. Uh, I went there with the former State Development Minister, Kevin Dick, and, um, and my colleagues in this area. And yeah, you know, it was, you could see it was, you know, built with. Uh, absolute precision and it was really exciting hearing about the projects and, and seeing where different activities were going to take place. But just some two months later, it's completely transformed. Uh, it was a very exciting space to be in. Um, there, it was, uh, there was work happening everywhere, uh, all maintaining the you know two metres. They've, they've got the two metre uh, social distancing space practice there. Um, the, the test track, uh, if people saw the Queensland Times today, the photograph that they took was not part of the test track uh, for the tanks and the vehicles. It is absolutely going ahead. And I think one of the most exciting stories coming out of, of that, I mean, and there's a lot, is the fact that uh, Ipswich apprentices have had the opportunity to go to, to Germany and learn the unique type of welding skills that they need to have to work on these military vehicles. Wow. Uh, a skill that they've brought back here to Australia and that no one else has here. So it's, it's a really good story. Um, and there's many more to come. It, it's an exciting contract. There's almost 500 jobs uh, on that site. And it's it's not just that. It's all of the opportunities that it's given to our small to medium-sized enterprises in Ipswich. I think people would be very surprised to see the extent of development on the other side of the railway tracks there on Red Bank Peninsula, Jen. Uh, it started off with uh, DB Schenker with their logistics it hub did. and it's just gone it on did. from there. Yeah. And, they're, and they're still, there's actually some exciting sort of proposals in the pipeline too going on out there where, you know, one of the things that's really come out of COVID uh, and that's overwhelmingly uh, shared by many people I speak to is that we need to be, what was the um, quote I, I heard? It was, uh, make Australia make again. We need to really be refocusing on manufacturing and, and, and getting that onshore sort of manufacturing happening again. Get quality products um, uh, generated on, on our own shores. Just finally... The social housing project that's underway in Ipswich CBD, that was on the uh, side of the old RACQ office. Uh, that's right. You've been out inspecting yeah. that. When can we expect that to be completed? That's going to be completed by November. It has come along very, very quickly. I was over the moon to be able to have the opportunity to be shown around. Um, no, you know, the, Apart from the fact that the housing is being built in the middle of our town, which is such a sensible uh, place for people to be living, like, you know, there's a very short walk to our hospital, a very short walk to the centre of town, uh, to buses and, and to the train station. You know, it's, it's, it's incredibly the kind of development I want to see happening in, in our CBD. Uh, apart from that, the standard of the building is really really exceptional. Um, each little apartment will have its own balcony. Uh, there'll be a green space at the bottom, uh, like an internal little green space. At the bottom, um, you know, 15 uh, single room apartments, uh, five two bedroom apartments. And, um, you know, this is this is quality living. Underground parking for all of the residents, 20 car parks underground. Uh, it's a great project. And, and all of the people I talk to that are working on the site, they've worked on similar ones in other 
other locations are all taking so much pride in, in the work that they're doing and they loved showing me through and they loved telling me the stories of, of the people who've moved into the other ones they've built and how happy they are. So it's, it's a great, it's a great uh, thing for Ipswich. Jennifer Howard, member for Ipswich, thank you so much for your time today. Thanks for the update. My pleasure. It's, a, it's lovely to talk to you. Thank you. Ipswich Today is supported by Kinetics, people-powered web hosting trusted by Australians since 1999. You can share this podcast from your favourite app, including iHeartRadio, or play Ipswich Today from your smart speaker. Suggestions are welcome for future interviews and topics. Just go to the Ipswich Today Facebook page and leave a message. Music is from Purple Planet Music. This is Alan Roebuck. Thanks for listening. Enjoying Ipswich today? Please share the love on your socials.